Hello and welcome to the Golf Shake podcast as we come back to you with the Ryder Cup fast approaching from the Golf National. One of the biggest sporting events in the world is fast approaching only a few weeks away now and it's going to be a fantastic setting and spectacle uh, for the Ryder Cup this year. Obviously Europe are trying to regain the title having lost two years ago and the US are trying to come over here and win in European soil for the first time in 25 years. So an awful lot to kind of discuss around that and this week, I am joined by my very favourite uh, Golf Chic ambassador, Mr. Matt Holbrook. Matt, welcome to the Golf Chic podcast. How are you today? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. I bet you say that to all the ambassadors. You know, I do say that to all the guys, Matt. I, you know, I have to say that. Let's be honest with you there. I do say that. But it's true, though. You are my favourite all the favourites. There you go. That's how we'll kind of, we'll kind of say it there. That's uh, um, And Matt is on the show this week for a variety of reasons. One, because he's obviously one of the most known and my favourite golf shake ambassador. He's also the only person who I'd actually get on the podcast this week. But he also has a very unique knowledge of so many of the Ryder Cup venues across the UK and Ireland, having been to play and stay at uh, the Belfry, Celtic Manor, K-Club and Glen Eagle. So Matt's going to come on here this week and give us his kind of thoughts and insight behind those venues when he stayed there, talk about his experience of there. So if you're considering going on a Ryder Cup themed golf break at some point, then Matt's going to give you kind of the, you know, tell you what it's like to go to either of the venues so you can kind of get an insight into maybe which one you would like to go and play. Obviously, of course, we'll touch on that, but obviously the, the Ryder Cup teams themselves, the European team has been set, of course. Thomas Bjorn made his captain's picks. People have been kind of discussing the ins and outs of that. So we'll talk about that too and get into the, the nitty gritty of the teams and whether we think the, the right guys were, were picked to be uh, at the Golf National. Obviously, it's a, a debate everyone's kind of having in the game. It's all part of the fun, I guess. Uh, but Matt, firstly, obviously, we're we're now in September. We kind of we've come through a what's been a fascinating summer for weather across the UK, one of the hottest and driest summers in recent memory. And certainly up here in Scotland, I mean, it was incredible for much of June and July, and as, as good as I ever, I've ever seen it, to tell you the truth, almost too good at times. So Matt, how is your, give us a brief assessment of uh, what your golf has been like this summer as a, a Golf Shake ambassador. So this summer, this summer has been good. Um, I think since the last time I was on the podcast, I'm just trying to think when the last time was. Um, it was too long ago, Matt. It was too long ago. I have to say, it was too long. Ago. Yeah, it was too too long ago. We'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> so since then, I've I've actually moved moved golf course. I left my previous course after four and a half years. Um, I moved to a course that was a little bit more local to me. Um, the main reason being just just the travelling. Um, I felt like last year I didn't play as much, especially through the summer, through the week. Um, you know, nipping out after work. So yeah, moving to a moving to a more local club um, has been beneficial to me in the sense that it's presented me with a new challenge, which has been nice. I mean, I, I knew the course; I'd played the course where I've joined a, a fair few times. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, I really tried to step up my game in the sense that I was playing just a lot more golf, surprisingly, <laughs> um, than what I had done the summer before. And look, there was, you know, I think it's no um, it's no coincidence that last year. My handicap pretty much started and finished basically where it, you know, at, at the same spot. Hmm. Um, whereas this year, um, you know, after getting used to a new course, learning a little bit about it, you know, I've, I feel like I've maybe got one more good score in me before before we start to really wind down for winter. But my handicap has come down a shot, mm-hmm. um, so I'm now ten, ten point three exactly. 
Um, and the goal to get to to get to that illustrious single figure is still there by the end of this season. But I know time is running out. Uh, well, still, we hope you get there. Obviously, that would be a fantastic achievement to get there. And actually, following Matt's progress uh, over the years on, on the Golf Shape Score Tracker, which, of course, we'd always uh, suggest you go there and track your game and track your stats and see your handicap tumble uh, like Matt has through the years. It's been quite an impressive rise. I'm envious of how good he's become in recent years. Benji, it does help when you're playing probably five times per week, every single week, as he does. But, Matt, you, actually, you said there you've joined a new golf club uh, this year. But which club is it, then? Get the plug in. Let us know. So it's uh, so the club is Stone Market in Suffolk. Okay, um, and it's uh, it's it's one of the it's one of the one of the better courses around. Um, the yeah, you know, it's, it's it's a Parkland course. It's um, it's a par sixty nine. So we've got uh, we've only got two two par fives, um, and it's just it's just a really nice, well kept, well looked after, friendly members club. Um, that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying. I've already very quickly worked out which holes are going to cause me problems and which holes aren't going to cause me problems. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just a lovely part of the, you know, Suffolk countryside and the practice facilities there are great. You know, there's a, a really nice big putting green and there's a, a chipping green. We've got a grass driving range out the back that you can go and hit some balls we've got a little free hole like academy course that you can go and sharpen up your wedge game there's a, a bunker and yeah it's basically it's got everything that you would want to have um if you're me basically <laughs> well go and check out still market golf club then if you're listening to this and they're in the area and if you see a guy wearing a golf shake t-shirt avoid him at all costs but um but yes fantastic matt to see your progress this year i actually haven't played golf uh, since july uh when i had the chance to um play the the old course at st andrews with some uh, mutual friends i guess we call them of ours and um it was a wonderful experience in the twilight uh, evening Perfect summer's night, just before the Open Championship it was. Golf course was burnt and running fast and firm. It was just um, as good as it's ever played. And um, it was just, a honestly, one of the most enjoyable rounds I've had in a long, long time. It was magical. And uh, a couple, I was sort of perfecting the 70-yard putt off the green on the, on the firm links turf. It was so dry. And uh, it, was, it was a wonderful night. And uh, it's one actually I haven't played probably since I expectations wise i can't really compete with that evening so uh once you play that kind of uh, a golf course in that setting with that company then it's it's an experience it's kind of hard to beat so i haven't quite had the same motivation to go out and play but i will certainly try and do so uh, before the the month is over however moving on now to the Ryder cup obviously as i said earlier you know it's obviously the the big hot topic you know yeah golf's happening you know the season's still going the tour golf still going, but really the Ryder Cup is what we're all kind of heading towards. That's the the real date. That is the the headline event right there at the end of this month, and um, clearly it's going to be a huge, fantastic spectacle as it always is. It's become such a gargantuan event through the years, really grown dramatically in the past couple of decades. Certainly in the last ten, fifteen years, I mean it's become bigger and bigger every single year. And uh, this this year will be no exception. The Golf National is a fantastic golf course, one of the best in European Tour. You know, great venue, great city in Paris, and just a you know going to be perfect setting for that. 
Obviously, if you are familiar with the Golf Sheet website and the YouTube channel, there's actually a really good review uh, on there of the golf course as well. So you can go and check that out and see what it's like to actually play the Golf National from the ground. And uh, again, it's a wonderful golf course. So much water and hazards in place. So it's a real fantastic kind of match play style course. So it's going to be risk and reward, plenty of unpredictability. So it should be fantastic for what are 24 of the world's best players going head to head. So always a great event. But obviously, with Matt, as it come towards the Ryder Cup, we sort of finalised the European team. We knew the guys who were obviously going to be, who had automatically qualified. So it's going through those very quickly. We had Francesco Molinari, the Open champion. Justin Rose, who might very well be world number one. Time this podcast goes to air. Uh, Tyrrell Hatton, one of the best young players in the European Tour. Tommy Fleetwood has become a fantastic star of late, obviously last year's race to Dubai champion. We also had John Ram as one of the most talented players in the game. Rory McIlroy, you know, Nothing more needs to be said about that. Alex Noren has become a fantastically consistent winner on the European Tour in the past couple of years. And finally, Torbjorn Olesen, who's a you know fantastically talented uh, Danish player who's kind of come to the forefront in the past year or so. And then, of course, the question was, that was eight players who qualified automatically. Who would Thomas Bjorn pick as his wild cards? And that was always going to be a kind of a contentious issue. There were so many guys who came into that kind of reckoning in good form. I'd like to have Rafa Cabrera Bello. Matthew Fitzpatrick, who, of course, just won the Mega European Masters from Cranser, so yeah, fantastic one there for him defending that title. And of course, we also had Eddie Perperl, a very popular uh, Twitter expert that he is, and also, of course, Matthew Wallace, Matt Wallace, who won three times in the European Tour this year, of course, and of course, finally that last qualifying event in front of Thomas Bjorn in his homeland in Denmark, the Maiden Denmark event, and they won that so fantastically in the playoff, and people thought that was going to be his kind of punching his ticket to Paris. But was it to be the case? No, it wasn't unfortunate for Matt Wallace because Thomas Bjorn elected to go for the uh, war season campaigners when he picked Ian Poulter, who's come back to form this year, winning in Houston. Paul Casey, who's back on a European Tour membership when he played in the Red Cup for the first time in 10 years. Also, he picked Sergio Garcia, who has had a very disappointing year by his high standards. But again, a Ryder Cup stalwart, a legend of the tournament. And of course, Henrik Stenson, who's had kind of injury problems this year. But of course, as we all know, is one of the, the best iron players, ball strikers, one of the most capable players in the game on his day. He's almost unbeatable and certainly has that considerable experience too. So, Matt, you know, in the end, people were kind of digesting these picks. Uh, the most contentious one seemed to be Sergio, considering he he missed the cut in all four majors this year, hadn't played anywhere near the, the standard of last year, of course, when he won the Masters. But as Thomas Bjorn kind of intimated, you know, Sergio, you know, he has an incredible Ryder Cup record. He's almost going to, I think he's three points off being the record points uh, holder uh, for Europe in history. Obviously has a, an infectious personality in that team room. Bjorn's been a a vice captain in recent years. He's kind of seen that for himself, seen Sergio's kind of influence on the, the other players. Of course, some people will say, well, why not have him there as a vice captain and give somebody else a chance to play? Uh, so it's kind of, um, people are also saying that Matt Wallace or Matt Fitzpatrick or Rafa Cabrera Bale, they should be on the team. So it's, I think the one positive thing there would be actually, no matter what Bjorn had done, you could probably argue for or against it. So there was such a real depth of talent there and so many considerable names. And I think he actually argued for the season campaigners quite well at his, his press conference remarks. But Matt, coming to you quickly here, what were your impressions uh, when, you, when you heard these were the four picks? Were you content with that? Were you disappointed for Matt Wallace or Matt Fitzpatrick? How did you feel about the four wild cards for Europe? So I think... When I mean, look, the the four picks to me wasn't a surprise. Let, mm. let me just get that out there. Um, I think a, a couple of hours before 
Um, Thomas Bjorn's press conference, I think I sent a tweet out to say, this is what I think is going to happen. And this is what I personally would like to see. Mm -hmm. Um, And the four that I said, this is what I think is going to happen. They were the four that were selected. I, I can fully understand why he's done what he's done. And really, I don't have that much of an issue with it. I personally feel like I wouldn't have picked maybe Sergio and I may not have picked Henrik Stenson. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm big fans of Sergio Garcia and Henrik Stenson. Um, I, I'm very much, I'm firmly in the camp of go with players that are on form. Yeah. Um, Sergio hasn't really shown any form. Although that said, he did finish quite well at the Golf National in the European Tour earlier on this year, which I think has possibly added weight to his argument. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Henrik Stenson's been struggling with the injury. So um, look, I can understand why they're in there. Fully understand. Um, I would just, I, I'm more a fan of let's get some younger people in. Um, let's, you know, these, these young guys, they've got to get their experience. I know that there's this, you know, this term rookie that seems to hang over everybody's <laughs> head, but everybody seems to be scared of rookies, but you know, let's face it, John Rahm's a rookie, mm-hmm. but you know, he's, he's won, you know, multiple times at a young age. Tommy Fleetwood's a rookie. He's won multiple times at a young age. Um, Alex Noren's a rookie one, but you know, so these guys, you know, Tyrrell Hatton's a, a, a multiple winner. I know they're rookies. I know that they, it's their first Ryder Cup, and that's why you've got people like, you know, the Rory McIlroy, Justin Rose, uh, Molinari. These guys have been around um, the, 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 the Ryder Cup team rooms now for long enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just kind of feel that, yes, Matt Wallace could have been in the side. Um, I believe that if um, if the picks were a week later, that uh, Rafa Cabrera Bello would have automatically qualified at the expense of yeah. uh, and Olison. Um, you know, so that, there is this big what if, what if about about the captain's teams. You know, yes, we, if you'd have left it two weeks, then Matt Fitzpatrick may well have qualified, or <laughs> he might have got a pick. Um, so, I mean, look, it's, it's it's a tough job for for Thomas Bjorn. I, I feel like it didn't matter what he done. You know, obviously he's not there to keep people happy. He's there to win a Ryder Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like, you know, he could have put in Matt Wallace and Cabrera Bayo and people would have been moaning, well, what about Sergio? What about Stenson? But, yeah. you know, if, if these guys, you, I, I, I want to go back to the press conference. All Thomas Bjorn seemed to be talking about with these guys is the effect that they have on the team room. Mm-hmm. There was no, they've been playing great golf. Um you know, because they they haven't really been playing that great a golf, um, and I just think that you know if they if they're that important to have in the team, get some guys in the team that are on form, and whether you want to label them as a vice captain, whether you don't want to label them as a vice captain, you know it's it's up to him if he wants to bring Sergio Garcia into the team room before you know on the Friday morning or the Saturday morning or the Sunday morning to to talk to some of the young guys, then then do it. You know who who, who are we to tell him that he can't do that? Um, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of my stance on, on, on the side. I'm happy with the team. I think the team looks strong. Yeah. Um, it's nice to see a couple of the guys, especially over the last few days, uh, on, on the, um, in the PGA tour that have, have found some form, you know, Fleetwood, Fleetwood's just mm-hmm. fighting back to back eight unders and yeah. Rory's playing well. And, you know, Francesco Molinari's doing what he does, just, just 
stealthing up behind people without them even realising he's there. Um, and Justin Rose, if if we don't get any play today, Justin Rose is going to be our new world number one. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's some guys coming into form at the right time, which is which is good to see as well. Uh, it certainly is, and uh, I think your your assessment is really spot on. And it's um, I think it's fair to say that the picks were certainly conservative. I have to wonder whether it was actually a reaction to the American team, which is very, very experienced. There are only two rookies on the American team as we stand, and one of them is Justin Thomas and and, and Bryson DeChambeau. So it's pretty formidable right there. And um, obviously, you have the likes of. Tiger, Phil, those really veteran players in the US team and uh, maybe Bjormer's going to counter that with his more experienced heads. But certainly I think you look at the four guys there and I'm not going to be, we're not going to be the BBC and be accused of ageism here, but you know, we've got guys at 41, 38, 42 and 42 right there. That's got to be the oldest four captain's picks I've ever seen. And um, it was certainly very experienced there, very seasoned quartet of players. But again, like you said there, you can kind of argue for them or against them. And it's a case of when people go down this road of kind of arguing about this guy should be there or he deserves to be there because of how he played or because he won that event. And I've seen people kind of suggesting these weird alternative systems where, well, if a guy wins three times, Matt Wallace did, he should be automatically on the team. Or if you win the last qualifying event, you should be on the team. Well, I think once you go down that road, you're kind of arguing against the whole concept of the captain's picks anyway, because if it was just about rewarding the guys who have played the best over the last six months or, tw- or a year, then just take the twelve from the top, the top twelve from the ranking, and don't bother with the captain's picks. So, but the wild card picks are there for a reason. They're there for the captain to complement the players who have qualified, whether it be for pairings or compatibility, their influence on the course, their experience, or their the team room, all these different factors, how they fit in with the golf course. All these things that Bjorn will have considered uh, over the past year and a half with his vice captains, he has obviously a very experienced group right there too. So you can kind of argue for and against. I actually think there's, you can make the case that four captains' picks is certainly too many. You know, it used to only be two. I think yeah. it probably, I think it probably worked better then. And actually, had only been two captains' picks, and you took one extra player from the European points list and from the world's points list, you'd have had Matthew Fitzpatrick and Rafa Cabrera-Belo qualifying automatically. I think people wouldn't argue against those two being on the team. And then you'd have two picks right there. Say you'd go for Casey or Poulter or whoever else. Then you think, well, that's probably quite a good balance right there. You know, Ultimately, yeah. the, the guys who deserve to be on the team are the ones who qualified in the top eight. Um, and it's a shame for the guy, you know, Matt Wallace, I think he's a fantastic player. I love his attitude. I think he spoke very well afterwards. He's very determined to get back in there and to be there next time. Uh, I like him very much. I think he's a fantastic player. Likewise, you know, with Fitzpatrick, who's a, a wonderful competitor. So, And even Cabrera Bello, who was so good in the last Ryder Cup, you know, he was so unlucky, as you touched on there, Matt. So you can argue for all of them. Yeah. Um, so, I think just going back to Matt Wallace, I think yeah. the, the I think the one thing that a, a lot of people keep mentioning about Matt Wallace is he's almost like a mini Ian Poulter. Yes, um, yes. And and obviously we know what he's what he's done for the Ryder Cup over the over the uh, over the years. I, I'm just wondering with with the Sergio pick, how much um, having John Rahm in the team kind of swayed mm-hmm. that as well. Yeah. Um, and actually, I look at I look at the the four that are uh, well. I, I look at Tyrrell Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood, Rory McIlroy, John Rahm. Is is that is that four? Is those four guys there potentially? Is that the next Sergio Garcia, Justin Rose, Henrik Stenson, Paul Casey? You know, these are the guys that we're going to see in the team for the next, um, you know, probably two, three, four competitions. 
Um, but yeah, I just wonder how much having having John Rahm in the team swayed that that decision because I can see that you know Garcia is going to have a good uh, a good and a positive impact on on somebody like John Rahm who can blow very hot and cold sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think when he's you know if he if he starts to reach boiling point, John Rahm, very similar to Tyrrell Hatton, I suppose in a way. Um, <laughs> You know these these guys. You know having somebody like a Henrik Stenson or a Sergio Garcia standing next to them. Um, I'm not suggesting that that's how the picks are going to work for for any of the matches, but I wouldn't be surprised to, to see Sergio playing with John Rahm, mm-hmm. um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see someone like Henrik Stenson or Justin Rose play with Tyrrell Hatton. Yeah. Um, I just think that they they potentially could complement their temperaments quite well. Um, and Tommy Fleetwood just seems so laid back. He's <laughs> vertical, basically. Um, so I think you can put him with anybody. But yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Well, look, it's, it's done now. You know, there's nothing we can do about it. Um, we're just there. Yeah, let's let's go and uh, let's go and see what they can come up with. Well, indeed, and I think you're right there. You, you again, you've basically probably outlined. Bjorn's whole thinking, you know, it's all about pairings, compatibility, fitting guys in together. So ultimately, he's thought an awful lot about this. He hasn't just turned up and thought, well, I'll pick the four most experienced guys and move on. He's thought an awful lot more about this than, you know, old John, the taxi driver who's watched his golf once a year, what he thinks about it. So we can argue for and against all the picks, but Bjorn's come to his conclusion. Ultimately, hindsight is wonderful. He'll obviously be proven right or wrong when the cup comes around. Of course, Sergio could play fantastically and suddenly people won't even mention it. But of course, if he doesn't, the knives will be out. But that's all part of the fun, I guess. That's kind of the, the thankless job of being the Ryder Cup captain. But yes, yeah, so we'll move on now. That's all coming up in the future. We'll have our preview podcast uh, nearer the time. All right, so moving on now to the, the Ryder Cup venues. And as I said earlier, Matt has been very lucky to go and play all these different venues uh, through the years um, at the Belfry, Celtic Manor, the K Club uh, and Glen Eagles. If you're familiar with Matt on Twitter, he, for several years, he used to organise this uh, golf break uh, with a bunch of uh, guys he met online, uh, which sounds perfectly normal. And he took those guys away to these wonderful golf destinations, many of them, of course, most famed for hosting the Ryder Cup, and none more so than the Belfry, which we'll start with right now. The Belfry being a four-time host of the, the Ryder Cup. The Brabazon course there, it's become iconic, obviously being associated with so many great moments of the uh, European Ryder Cup past, particularly those editions back in the 1980s and 90s and uh so matt coming to you first of all but the, the the belfry of course it has the three courses there you know the brabazon course the derby course and the pga national course obviously a fantastic uh, resort and hotel it's very highly regarded on golf shake uh, highly recommended by golf shake users one of the most popular venues on the website actually too one of the most reviewed courses and venues we have there so it's obviously it struck a chord with the general public but matt did the belfry strike a positive chord with, with you when you went there yeah, the Belfry did. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of the Belfry um, for for a number of reasons. I think it's is very accessible um, mm-hmm. to, to 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 anybody that wants to go and play. Um, I think the you know the 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 hotel now it's been you know a lot of the rooms have been refurbished and they've you know spent a lot of money in in doing the place up and that's that you know, says to me that they're they're trying to be proactive there, which I like. But the thing that really stands out with the Belfry to me, and in particular the Brabazon course, um, is the fact that they get a hell of a lot of golfers going out to yeah. play on the Brabazon course. 
And I don't think I've ever seen that golf course in poor condition. I, I don't ever, you know, remember going there. I mean, I've I've been lucky enough to play the Brabazon there about five times, I think. Um, and not once have I come off thinking the greens were in a state or, you know, there, there was unraked bunkers. And, you know, normally you go to a golf course where it has so much traffic um, and I, it might not be in the best condition, but I've always found the Brabazon to be in, you know, in, in as good a condition as, as they can possibly get it. Um, and I've I've played it in the middle of summer, and I've played it, you know, pretty much at the end of winter. And the greens are always fantastic. I know it's a golf course that can divide opinion with some people. Some people think it's a bit bland, um, but for me, it's it's one that I really really enjoy. It's obviously you've got your two iconic holes with the the tenth and the eighteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I I. I I struggle to find there's there's one hole that always gets me over the back. I can't remember which number it is, but it's in between two par threes. I think eleven. I think it's the twelfth or thirteenth that, for some reason, I've just always played poorly every time I've played it. Um, but other than that, I, I struggle to find a weak hole on the belt uh, on on the Brabazon. To be honest, it's you know it's it's a great golf course. It's it's a it's it's a good location for for people you know regardless of where you live in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it's it's fairly central. Um, and yeah, you know, for, for me, the Belfry ticks every single box. You know, you've got the options to go and play two other courses while you're there. Um, the only thing that maybe lets it down as a venue is the the bar and the food can be relatively pricey. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you can go and play a Ryder Cup course overnight for ninety nine quid bed and breakfast. I sometimes see deals as cheap as that. So yeah, um, you know, in in terms of what I've paid to go and play some of the other places, it's relatively cheaper. Um, you know, so it's it's going to be impossible to find something that ticks absolutely every single box. Um, but it's great, you know. If you haven't been to the Belfry, and you know, it's it's not one that it's difficult to get on. It's not one that's going to cost you hundreds and hundreds of pounds. Um, you know, if it's one that you really want to play and you haven't got around to playing it yet, just 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 give them a call or, or go through golf breaks and and organise a, a break for those guys because it's it's easy to do and it's cheap and it's you know I promise you you'll have a good time. Yeah, there's plenty of packages available, as Matt said there, in golf breaks, and obviously from the Belfry themselves. You know, they put a lot of good offers out there. You see them advertised all the time, and it's, um, you know, as Matt said, you know, even though it has been seven, uh, sixteen years since the Ryder Cup was last at the Belfry, it still draws in a huge, huge footfall of golfers every year. You know, it's extremely popular to this day, um, and it, and it will continue to remain so because as Matt touched on there, you know, it has a history, but. It constantly delivers a very good experience with the quality of the golf course, the conditioning of it, and uh, they dress up very well. So, yeah, Belfry is certainly is a reason why it's one of the premier venues and one of the most popular venues in golf shake. And there's plenty of features in the golf shake website. We will certainly link those to the main article on the website, and you obviously you can find them there yourself. We have so many features and 10 reasons to go and play there and, and course reviews and so on as well. Now, going across the Going across the water now, going across the water to Ireland, uh, Matt, we have obviously the K Club, which hosted the 2006 Ryder Cup, which was a very kind of dramatic and uh, emotional one, obviously, with the Darren Clark subplot that year. Very dominant victory for Europe, perhaps arguably one of the best European teams of all time. They absolutely crushed what was perhaps one of the worst American teams of all time. You could have a, a game of pointless and try and guess the, the American team that year. There's some very unfamiliar names. There's guys like J.J. Henry and Brett Wetterick and so on. It's like, my God, they played a Red Cup. Well, they did that year. So no wonder the Europeans won that year. However, uh, obviously a venue, you have the, the Arnold Palmer course there, which hosts um, 
hosted the Ryder Cup. You also have the, the Smurfit course as well. So there's two courses at the K-Club. Uh, so, Matt, what was your your take from your time over in Ireland then? Yeah, so I, I, I loved the K-Club. Uh-huh. Um, really, really liked the K-Club. Um, two two more reasons. Firstly, the, the, the hotel there and the rooms there um, are absolutely stunning. It's probably on par with Glen Eagles in, in terms of its kind of grandness. Um, and but the the thing that really stuck out for me at the at the K Club was the it, if I think if you went and played both courses, you'd you'd struggle to pick a, a favourite out of the two. Mm-hmm. And f- for me, the Smurf it just pipped the the Palmer the Ryder Cup course. Um, I can't I, I don't know why to be honest. It just you know I just I just seem to enjoy the Smurf it only a little bit more. Um. But yeah, you've got two quality golf courses at the at, at the K Club. Um, two that won't disappoint. Two two golf courses that kind of offer something different. Um, the setup at the K Club is again is is brilliant. Um, I love the fact that as you go into the uh, if you when you go and play at the Palmer course because the courses are um, kind of set up just set aside from each other a little bit, and you've got two separate clubhouses and the. the the clubhouse for the for the Palmer course is brilliant. When you walk in, you've got all the Ryder Cup memorabilia in there as well, which you know for me really adds to the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, the finishing the finishing three or four holes on the Palmer course were were fantastic. You've got a couple, of, you know, you've got the plaque where Rory McIlroy hit the three wood on the sixteenth. Um, I don't think I got anywhere close on the eighteenth <laughs> to know if there was a plaque for when he. When he hit the uh, hit the five wood in to make eagle when he played in the uh, Irish Open there, That's right. um, but yeah, it's just you know you, you you feel like you're you feel like you're a million miles away from anything when you're at the K Club, um, and what what I found over all the venues without talking about the other two that we haven't mentioned just yet is that bar I think bar the Belfry, I think normally the Ryder Cup course is probably a little bit um, inferior to the other courses that are there. Um, mm-hmm. Apart from the Brabazon at the Belfry, I think it's head and shoulders above the other two courses. Where normally you'll find the secondary course at the venue is probably slightly better um, in terms of um, in terms of a layout and a challenge than, um, than than at the other venues. So, but the K Club for me is, is the is the one venue where the two courses were as close to each other as possible. To be honest, well, that's interesting, and obviously you. Certainly, the K Club is a, a popular venue. You know, Matt touched on there. It obviously hosted the um, the Irish Open as well in 2016, where Rory had that amazing finish. So it's a again a great resort right there. If you want to go and have a, a golf break to the Dublin area, it's uh, something one to tick off the list. But interesting that Matt mentioned the the other venues where the golf course is um, the Ryder Cup venue, the Ryder Cup course isn't as good as the other layouts on the actual resort which is certainly the case with a few of them. And Celtic Manor, I'm guessing, Matt, for you, is one of those. You obviously have a 2010 course that has the, had the Ryder Cup. Elsewhere, you have the Roman Road course and the Montgomery course. So, uh, Matt, why was the 2010 course not quite up to scratch then? Well, I, I wouldn't say that the 2010 course wasn't up to scratch. I think if you're if you're solely looking at the golf course itself, mm-hmm. Then the and and I'm I know that I know a lot of people that agree with me and people that haven't been there if they go and play um, go and play in particular the Montgomery at the at Celtic Manor is just absolutely stunning um, and everybody will talk to you about the third hole with path, long par five down the hill 
that kind of plays into the valley where the 2010 course sits and you get a really nice um, overview of the 2010 course from, mm-hmm. you know, from, from up on this hole on the Montgomery. Um, but look, as an experience, um, again, the, 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 the 2010 course itself is a, is a great experience. Um, and it's one that I'd recommend every golfer or every golf fan goes and, and and goes through that experience you know from from the minute you pull your car up outside the um outside the clubhouse of the 2010 they'll come out and they'll take your bags out your car and then you won't see them again until you're down on the uh on the first tee you know you you get the opportunity to share a locker with um you know with one of the Ryder Cup players from that year um you know I, I shared my I had I used the Impulters locker for example um <laughs> You know, and and you get that experience. They shuttle you down to the first tee where the driving range is. Um, you know, you get a nice pyramid of balls on the grass bay. Um, and then the one thing that they've done at Celtic Manor is they've kept on the first tee. They've kept the old Ryder Cup holdings mm-hmm. around the tee, which makes a really nice photo opportunity. Um, the course itself, I've just found it's it's a very tough course. Um, obviously, water comes into play a lot, and and you can just tell that the course has been kind of man made and man designed for, um, you know, pros, big hitters, and and match play. It's probably, I'd say, the last three holes. More often than not, you're going to be playing into the wind. They're absolutely brutal golf holes. Um, in terms of a spectacle to watch a match play event such as the Ryder Cup, that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. In terms of playing, um, I'm not sure if that is the case for, you know, us average golfers. Um, and I just felt that the middle part of the round at the at the, at the 2010 was you just feel like you're driver long iron over water, driver long iron over water. Um, and if you're coming up short and you're losing a fair few balls, by the time you get to the finish, you you just you just completely beat anyway. Um, so the golf course for me is not is not as special as the as the Montgomery was but that shouldn't put people off going through the Celtic Manor experience at the end um again I've I've done the 2010 twice now uh the first time you get a nice engraved bag tag um the second time I got a nice engraved ball marker um and that's a nice little touch that they do for you to take away and remember by uh, and remember your experience um so they they do a lot of things right at Celtic Manor um but it's just purely on on the golf course itself. Um, you know, as I said, the Montgomery's is head and shoulders. I haven't played the Roman Road, so I can't comment on that. Um, but head and yeah, the Montgomery's just head and shoulders above above the twenty ten, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's, a lot of people have said that through the years, as you said there, Matt. And um, again, we have a lot of features on the website about Celtic Manor. One of them, of course, is actually written by Matt himself for the Celtic Manor experience. And um, we have several other ones there too. Again, highly recommended on the Golf Shake uh, Top 100. So again, with Golf Shake users, it's one of the most popular venues to this day. I think people enjoy, as Matt touched on there, the whole kind of the dressing up of it, the way they treat you when you go there and the great all-round experience it delivers highly on that even if the golf course can be a little bit of a slog and the only venue here Matt, that I'm familiar with personally is Glen Eagles where I, you know, I used to live only 15 minutes away I've stayed there I've played there a couple of times played the um, the Ryder Cup PJ Centenary course twice uh, Glen Eagles is one of the most you know fantastic venues you know it's, it's a spectacular location I mean it's just breathtaking right in Perthshire uh, free golf courses there you have the PJ Centenary designed by Jack Nicholas, and you also have the King's Course one of the, the best known and highly, most highly regarded inland courses in Scotland and also the very 
picturesque and quite beautiful Queen's course there as well. So he touched on earlier, Matt, about how for most of these venues, the Ryder Cup course isn't the best one on the layout. And I would certainly feel, and I'm sure you agree, that Glen Eagles is certainly an example of that because the PGA Centenary course isn't the best of the free courses there. Definitely not. Um, it's very, very simple for me. Um, and Glen Eagles is somewhere that if you said to me, if you said to me, right, Matt, you, you can you, you can play golf every week now for the rest of your life, but you can only play it on one golf course, which one would it be? I would pick the Kings course at Glen Eagles. Right. It is. I mean, I, I, I didn't play the Queen's course. So I played the PGA and the Kings. The Kings is just absolutely stunning. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it. There's nothing out of place. There's no, you know, you, you don't get to a section of holes where you think, oh, this is pretty much like the last hole. Um, the condition is immaculate. But what sets it aside to me is the is the views, the mount, you know, the mountains and the hills in the background. Um, it's just it's just out of this world in in terms of experience and um, you know everything that you could look for in a golf course. It for, for again, it's just my personal opinion, but it ticks every single box, every single box. Um, that doesn't mean to say I didn't enjoy playing the PGA course. Ultimately, this is why we go to these kind of venues is to is to walk in the in the footsteps of the stars, your heroes, the people that you see on TV. Um, and the you know the, the the PGA was an enjoyable enjoyable round of golf, um, but the 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 Kings course is is just crazy. If you can put one course on your bucket list next year, make it the Kings course if you haven't been, because I promise you you won't be disappointed. Um, you know, in in terms of a venue there, the the, the hotel is grand. It's mm. it's it's massive. You know, you you feel you feel good about yourself when you're walking around. Um, <laughs> You know, you, you you do. It's it's you know it's stunning, and the, and the driving range that you've got down there in the short game area. Um, I, I can tell you two funny stories actually about Glen Eagles, and and hopefully if anybody that actually is from Glen Eagles is listening to this, I apologise in advance. Um, quite happy to quite happy to cough up a few quids to cover the cost, but um, the when you play the PGA course, the the 18th hole kind of finishes adjacent to the driving range. Mm-hmm. So at the driving range, they give you, um, I think, I'm pretty sure it was complimentary buckets of um, tailor-made practice balls to hit on the driving range. Well, this driving range is, in, so you've got the driving range and you've got like a net protecting it. Then you've got a little road that runs down, I suppose, for maintenance vehicles to get to get out to the backside of the uh, PGA course. And then you've got the 18th hole just the other side of the road. Well, I'd finished, I'd gone out in the first group, I'd finished my round and I was stood at the 18th waiting for the rest of the the, the guys coming up and I was taking some photos of people as they were finishing. Um, but I noticed all of a sudden I was surrounded by a lot of these tailor-made practice balls. So I went and grabbed my, uh, I went and grabbed my, my practice bag from the car and pretty much filled it up with these <laughs> tailor-made balls that had made it over the fence. And to this day, to this day, I was, you know, I still still have them in the bag and they live in the boot of the car. And whenever I'm getting out to do some chipping or short game practice, I, I'm still using these really nice tailor-made practice balls. Um, and yeah, so that was that that was one thing. And I, I must tell you another very, very quick story was um, because it, it was an unfortunate incident, um, but the way that it was dealt with from from the staff at, at Glen Eagles was was absolutely fantastic. And we were sitting in a bar one night, and your good friend uh, and and friend of the podcast, uh, Stuart Armstrong, was there. 
Um, and the waiter was coming over with a, a, a large tray of drinks and unfortunately tipped the drink. And one in particular was a pint of Guinness and it went all down the back of my jumper. Um, so I had to go and get changed and have a quick shower. Um, but listen, I woke up the next day and there was a box outside my door. Um, and inside the box was my jumper that had been washed. Wow. Um, and it was very neatly wrapped up in a box with a, a note to apologize. Um, and they did come around and give us some free champagne to apologize that evening as well. Um, so <laughs> it was an unfortunate incident. You can look back and laugh now, um, but the way it was handled was, was absolutely fantastic as well. So, uh, yeah, that's one that whenever I smell Guinness now, I always think of my time at Glen Eagles. <laughs> uh, it's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, that, that first story, first of all, first, we have to quickly apologize to the people of Glen Eagles. Obviously, you know, Matt has given out a revelation there. And after that revelation, I think it's probably going to be his last appearance in the Golf Shape podcast after that. <laughs> Yeah. And listen, if the guys at Glen Eagles want me to come up and give them back, I've got absolutely no problem. There you go. Any excuse to go back to Glen Eagles, folks. Any excuse to go back. That's <laughs> it. And I think he's right. Your match right there. You know, the, the King's Course at Glen Eagles is one of the best golf courses in Scotland. Um, fantastic inland venue. You know, there's more to Scot- golf in Scotland than just the Links courses. You know, and it's certainly the, the premier inland course in Scotland. And also, you know, the Queen's Course there is one of the most beautiful golf courses and I've ever, I've ever seen. I mean, it's just a wonderful location and it's a shorter golf course, but beautiful and uh, wonderfully laid out. And it might actually be the most purely enjoyable uh, course there. Uh, but yeah, it's a fantastic you know location. I mean, Glen Eagles is just a spectacular place. You know, sit right in the heart of Scotland and it's just views are breathtaking all directions. And it's a, it's a wonderful spot and, and relatively accessible as it's fairly close to both uh, Glasgow and Edinburgh, only a short drive from there. So if you're flying north from England, then it's um, it's not hard to get to at all. So Matt, I'm going to put you on the spot here right now. So of all the Ryder Cup venues you, you've been to then, first of all, what was the best golf course? But the, Only the Ryder Cup courses here. What was the best of the Ryder Cup courses and what was the best hotel? So the best of the Ryder Cup courses would be the Brabazon at the Belfry. Yep. The best hotel would be the – I'm very torn between the K Club and Glen Eagles. Oh, oh, and the other reason – spot I, here, come on. Okay, I, I will tell you which one, at, and I think the K Club just pips it, and that is purely because oh. when I ordered a bacon sandwich for breakfast, I actually got a triple-decker bacon sandwich. For anybody that is unfamiliar with a triple-decker, it's basically three slices of bread with two lots of bacon inside. And that just literally that pips it for me because that's that's amazing. Well, it sounds amazing, but I, I regret the future heart attack you'll have because <laughs> of that. So that's... So there you go. So I must say that's I didn't really expect that to be the reason I've got to say that that was kind of that caught me off guard. There you Listen, go. there's so there's, there's that, certain that was... things that stick out for me. The other thing that really stuck out for the K Club is uh, <laughs> is is how big the bath was in the room. Like honestly, you could have filled that bath up and done some lamps in the morning. Um, it was that big. <laughs> and you know, if you've if you've had a if you've had a tough day on the, on the golf course, there's nothing better than just you know go, going over it shot by shot while you're sitting in a bath that you could literally swim up and down in. Well, and you probably have to swim in that for a few lengths after eating that triple decker sandwich. So that's still we burn that one off. But uh, yeah, so there you go. You you've, talk about insight right there, folks. You know that's incredible. So we've had uh, all sorts of stuff from Matt there, stuff I didn't expect we're going to get. Um, but yeah, so um, you know, triple decker sandwich—that's something else. But yeah, fantastic venues. Obviously, they've all become iconic and celebrated because of the Ryder Cup heritage that they have. Uh, and again, they're all worth visiting. You know, they're all highly recommended on Golf Shake. You know, Matt's you know bigged them up there right as well, and deservedly so. You know, they all dress up the experience very well. 
And if you want that all-round kind of resort experience, you know, great golf courses, great hospitality, restaurants, accommodation, each of them tick the box and obviously different parts of the country as well. So you can go and experience golf in Scotland or Wales or obviously the Midlands and of course Ireland as well. So it's, yeah, it's, they're all fantastic. And again, the Golf National joins that uh, roster of uh, venues this year. I'm sure it'll be fantastic there too. But in terms of the UK venues, if you're fancying a kind of an autumn break to kind of celebrate the Red Cup this year, then each of these are, are, are worth experiencing. So go and tick one of them off yeah. in there. I think um, I think uh, Kieran as well. You, you touch you touch on something there. Um, the, we've we've the trips to Scotland and Ireland in particular. Um, you know, we've actually gone and played other course the day before as well. Mm-hmm. So traditionally, I've always done you know the two rounds bed and breakfast. Um, but when we went to the K Club, we played we played at Portmore at Lynx, um, which is absolutely stunning. Yeah. Absolutely stunning, um, and I don't I don't brag about it enough. But you know, when we went to Glen Eagles the day before, we we played at the old course as well, mm. which you know, as an experience, is just out of this world. Yeah. Um. You know, so there's you know when when you're if you're thinking about going away and you're looking into them sort of things, take take that into consideration. What else is around? What else is there locally? Um. You know, because you can you, you can make it into an absolute trip of a lifetime. Oh, definitely. I think that's absolutely spot on. And uh, there's there's packages available around that would be able to accommodate that too. If you look at some of the travel providers, obviously Golf Break has been one example of that. And um, again, even on your own planning yourself, you know, as Matt touched on there, you can go and you know book one of these tremendous golf courses that are really only a short drive away. You know, Glen Eagles, for example, in Scotland is right in the heart of the country. You're really not that far from anywhere, whether you went to St Andrews or went to Carnoustie or down the west coast towards Ayrshire or whatever else, then you're not that far from anywhere else. And likewise, you know, in Dublin, you know, Port Marnock and so on, you know, they're all courses around that area. And um, obviously in, in, uh, for, for the Belfry as well in the Midlands, you know, there's so many fantastic courses in that part of England too. So, yeah, you can really make your, your Ryder Cup experience a venue an all-round experience as well. And I think Matt has given us some wonderful insights. So, Matt Holbrook, thank you uh, for coming on to the Golf Sheet Podcast. I hope you enjoyed being back on. It was a pleasure for me to have you back on the podcast. So uh, thank you again. It's good to be back. Thanks for thanks for inviting me back on. And hopefully I haven't put too many people to sleep with my opinions. But, well, just yeah, me. That's, uh, yeah, just that's standard. <laughs> that's, yeah, basically, yeah. It's, it's too early in the morning for me anyway, so that's fine. But yeah, no, no, it was fantastic having you on. And we will certainly have you back in future as the Golf Sheet Podcast is coming to you more relentlessly going forward. We're going to have it more regular, make it a proper thing now every week, hopefully every couple of weeks at least. And uh We'll try and make this a, 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 a real extension uh, to the Golf Shake community. We hope you're all enjoying being part of on the website or also obviously on the social channels as well. So again, as we always touch on, we hope uh, as we enter the autumn period that you continue to keep playing, post your reviews on, on, on the website, your course reviews, obviously your track, your scores and your stats. Keep improving your game. Matt has his ambition to get a single figures by the end of the season. Try and push for your objective too and try and achieve that. As always at Golf Shake, we want you to play more and play better. My name is Kieran Clark alongside Matt Holbrook. Until next time, thank you for listening.